This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Uh, I want to minister this morning, uh, once again, on the message of Christmas. And it's such a powerful message when you understand what Christmas is about. And it's like what Pastor Rob was saying, it's, it's about more than that baby. It's about his life and his death and the sacrifice that was paid. And we need to have that understanding in this day and time. Uh, when there's so much commercialism, there's so many things that are not scriptural, that are said and done. But I, I believe we as Christians need to enjoy Christmas. Because it is a time of year that you can walk into any store and you can hear joy to the, Lord, to the world. You can hear these Christmas carols and they all are full of scriptures. And they all speak to us. A small boy was writing a letter to God about Christmas. There were some presents he wanted. He said, I've been good for six months. After a moment's reflection, he crossed out the six months and put three months. After a couple minutes, he crossed out and put two weeks. He crossed out and he got up and he went to the nativity scene there in his home. And he took Mary. He wrapped her up in a cloth, put Mary in his drawer. He went back, started writing the letter and said, Dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again, In Luke 2.13, we talked about last week, and suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And we saw that the message of Christmas was not the message of peace between men, but it was the message of peace from God to mankind. If the message was that that Jesus was going to be, bring peace on this earth between men, then he failed. And we can see that in this day and time. He failed. Is there peace between men, mankind, and the earth? No. He came to bring peace between God and man. God's at peace with mankind because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. At the cross, he took our sins. Sin separated us from God. There was no peace that we had with God because of sins. Jesus took care of the sin problem, or God took care of the sin problem through Jesus, and Jesus took our sins. So the Bible says that now the world has been reconciled back to God. It's possible for every person on this earth to have a harmonious relationship with God. And that's what you look it up and uh, it talks about peace, uh, harmony with God because God has made peace at the cross and now it's up to us. No one goes to hell because of sins, because the price has been paid. They go to hell because they rejected the price for their sins. They've rejected the gift of salvation. They rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord, as their Lord and therefore they go to hell for that. And once you're in hell, since you rejected the payment, then you're responsible for all those sins and you have to pay. And it takes eternity. Eternity's not quite long enough. It just goes on. 
You never, ever get the payment taken care of. So we looked at that, and we saw that our message of reconciliation is that God has made peace with mankind, and God does love you. God uh, died for you. He took your sins. And now we have a covenant of peace. It says he made a covenant just as surely as he will not flood the earth again with water. He will not be angry with you. He will not rebuke you. But he will forever, a everlasting covenant, show his peace and his loving kindness towards you. And it's called the new covenant. That's the covenant that we're in. It's called the dispensation of grace. Is there a judgment coming? Yes. After that dispensation is closed, you enter into another covenant, it's going to be judgment of God. And he's going to judge those that didn't receive him. He will judge those that did receive him as Lord. And what's he judge us on? Those works that remain. Anything that you did outside the love of God is going to get burned up. Aren't you glad there's going to be some burning up in, in heaven? There's going to be some things that you did that get burned up. Some of us will be shouting, burned up, burned up, burn, baby, burn. And what remains, you get rewarded for. Man, God's just, he's just awesome. There's no weighing it down. Well, you're, you got too many things burning up. You got just a few things here, reward, so it cancels out. No, he burns all this up because that's what Jesus did. Burns that up, it's because of the sacrifice, and then you're rewarded on what's left. And we need to serve God, don't we? How many want some rewards in heaven? I do too. Anytime I, I, I talk that way and talk about our sins being forgiven, past, present, and future, I always just like to throw out, what about sin in your own life? You need to repent. You need to deal with it because it will destroy your life. And the enemy comes in, and it's death working in you. You can be a Christian, your sin's forgiven, and still walking in sin and reaping the consequences of sin. But really, your holiness doesn't get you points with God. And that's where you've got to understand your holiness, your performance doesn't get you points with God. In fact, when you really look at the word, holiness has more to deal with you receiving from God. Because we have a place where if we're in sin, our own heart will condemn us from receiving. And then it talks about holiness has more to do with your witness to others. The way, uh, because people see the Lord through you, and it is a strong influence you have for the kingdom. So your walk has to do with your witness. But it doesn't get your points with God. When we look at Christmas, like I was saying, it's really from pagan uh, holidays that the church took and wanted to, to make it where they could use it and uh, there's a lot of things that just don't... I mean, no, there wasn't three kings, you know. Wise man, there's no place in scriptures that says that kind of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of traditions and things like that. But I believe we as Christians need to enjoy the season. 
We need to keep the true meaning uh, of what it's about. But then uh, let the love of God. Don't come against. I had a friend, and I worked with him. He loved the Lord, one of the most dedicated, devoted believers that you know. I mean, he went and he uh, was taking Greek and uh, learning, uh, just spending hours, uh, you know, studying the scriptures and, and stuff. But at Christmas time, no one wanted to be near him because all he talked about was how Christmas was a pagan time. And if you're really a believer, you will not have a Christmas tree. And one time me and him got into it because I happened to say we put our Christmas tree up. And there it started. Oh, Christmas tree. You have an idol in your home. Oh, you have little faith. And just one of those things. And he pulls up this scripture. And this scripture, it's in there. It's about having a tree. And, but it's talking about worshiping the tree. And I told him, I said, look, maybe you can't have a Christmas tree, but I've never been tempted to bow down and worship that tree. So it's not a problem with me. And he started backing off then. And we had some peace about Christmas. Let's enjoy the time. Let's remember the true reason for the season. And I want to look at, at Luke chapter 1, a little bit at John the Baptist, excuse me, his life and how his parents were used that we can learn some things and glean some things from their life. Luke chapter 1 verse 5, there were the days of Herod the king of uh, Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Now, they were of the tribe of Levi, and we know it was the priestly tribe. Um, Zacharias had, had married Elizabeth, who was also a Levite, and that was according to the law you could could do that, but it said they were righteous. Now we know that right, true righteousness had not been given yet because of the cross. It says that they were blameless. Now notice it says blameless, not sinless. And what they were doing, it speaks to us that they were walking in all that they knew to. They were serving God to the best of their ability. They had faith in those sacrifices and those things that... Um, were a covering for sin. They had their faith in that. And God accounted them and saw them as righteous and blameless. What can we learn about them? Well, number one in your notes is be a God follower. They were God followers. They were doing all that they could and all that they knew to do to serve God, to follow God. Perfectly? No. No one's perfect. No one is, is, is serving God because they deserve it. It's all because of His grace and His goodness and His mercy. But they were serving God or they were God seekers, you could say. They were devout followers. People who are used by God are people who seek God. They're God followers. They're following Him. It's not a hard thing, but it's something that we can lose sight of just seeking Him. And our time gets so, we get so busy 
that we don't take that time to seek Him and to follow Him. It's a, it's a daily thing. It's a consistent thing, walking with Him and, and seeking Him. You know, when you seek Him, you'll find Him, is what the Scripture says. In fact, in, in Psalms 34, it talks about those that seek the Lord will never be without Seeking Him. Not being perfect, seeking Him. And that's what these, these two were doing. Now, no one's perfect, but there are certain things that you can do to make yourself available to God. And no one deserves it, but seeking the Lord, praying, reading Scripture, just spending time with Him, puts you in position to hear from God and to be used by the Lord. And verse 7 says they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. Now here they are. They're serving God. They're God seekers, God followers, yet they're barren. They have no child. It'd been real easy for them to turn against God. It'd be real easy for them to be frustrated because we want a baby, we want a child, and we don't have it. And they could have easily turned against God and blamed God. But the scriptures didn't say they did that. They were still devoted to the Lord. They were still serving God. You know, there's, there's times maybe you don't see the answer the way you want it or quickly as you want it. What are we to do? We're to keep following the Lord. Our trust is to be in Him. And it says they were advanced in years so the time had passed for them to have children. And, and probably a part of them just gave up. Maybe wanted to, to quit. Number two, it says, be responsible to fulfill your commitments. They were responsible to fulfill their commitments. In verse 8, and I will find it. Technology can be something else too. Zap my message. In verse 8, it says, So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went to the temple of the Lord. I want you to notice here it says, While he was serving. While he was serving. The key to Zacharias, he was faithful, he was a God follower, and he fulfilled his responsibilities. He was doing those things that, um, those daily things or those assignments, he was fulfilling those responsibilities. God uses people that are responsible to fulfill their commitments. And Zacharias, he was a, a priest and a lot fell to him. And that means he had duty to fulfill and it says he was going to serve the Lord and, and do this. You know, there's something to be said. Do what God has told you or set before you to do. It's interesting in scriptures when you see how many times God used someone who was going about their daily task. On the way here, doing this, doing that. And God was there because he wants to use responsible people. 
that will fulfill their commitments. And when you look at scriptures, faith is really an action, action word. And you can look at Moses and David caring for the sheep. You can find all kinds of examples of that. Peter mending his uh, nets. In verse 23, I want to get to the skip down to show you this. So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed, he departed to his own house. He continued until the job was finished. He continued serving the Lord until he had completed the task. But when you read in between what happened to him, he has a supernatural encounter with the Lord. An angel appears to him and says, Look, your prayers have been answered. You're going to have that baby. Yet, it's interesting that Zacharias, he continued until he completed the service. I mean, no, he couldn't call Elizabeth. There was no iPhones. There was no email. Can you imagine just, it'd been really easy, I'll oh, forget my responsibility, I'm leaving here and I, I've got to go tell Elizabeth, I've got to share this with my family. Our prayers have been answered, it's been heard, but no, it said he completed, he fulfilled his service. He was responsible to complete his duties. God uses people that are responsible. He uses people that are busy. I haven't seen him use someone that's not busy, they're busy. He could have quit the priesthood. But when you're faithful in the least, God says he'll make you over much. And that's a principle of the kingdom. Be faithful where you're at, and he'll give you more. Well, I just don't understand why this is happening to me. Have you been faithful where you're at? Well, no. What's, it's not going to happen for you. Verse 11, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayers is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Your prayers have been heard. Wonder how long they were praying for a baby. And maybe you've been praying for something a long time, and the temptation is just to let go of your faith and just let it go. And but that they must have been holding on to faith somehow because God uses faith. But why did this take so long? That's the reason I don't like putting timetables on God. I've seen it go the wrong way too many times. I've seen people put a date and it doesn't happen on that date and then they're not even serving God. I believe that God knows best. We use our faith. We trust Him. But, you know, it says that Jesus was born in the fullness of time. There was a time set for Jesus to be born in the earth. God worked for 4,000 years to prepare to get Him in the earth. That tells me that John the Baptist, there was a fullness of time for him 
because he was set to be born right before Jesus. So there is, we say, well, there's no time of God, but he works in a, a place called earth where there is time. So don't put a time limit on God. And when you don't see the answer or don't see the, the thing come to pass, I believe we'll get to heaven and there's going to be some conferences where we sit down with Jesus, maybe a couple other people, and so why didn't this happen? And Jesus is going to unfold it. He'll remove the veil, explain everything. We're going to, oh, yeah, I make, okay. I, I really believe that. Well, you were faithful to your word, Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you could have told me that. Yeah, I could have, but it was better that you didn't know. Thank you. You know, there's some things it's better that you don't know. I trust him that he knows what's best. That's just trusting. But here they are. Their prayers have been heard. And they're having the baby after so many years. Imagine the, the thrill in his heart. There's a lot of things that we ask for that there's other people involved that God's working on them. I'm, I'm believing to be married in three months. Have you met her? No, but God has her. And I know in three months I will be married. Well, you can't put a time. It could be that God's working on her. She has this uh, annoying habit that would just drive you nuts. And God's working on her. And you can't put that kind of uh, thing on God. Trusting. If God's working on that, that spouse, have it, Lord. Keep going. Because it's for the good of everyone. Amen? This was a special child. Uh, Matthew eleven eleven says, I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The greatest who ever lived before Jesus is John the Baptist. Think about all the people in the Old Testament. David, Daniel. He said, John the Baptist is the greatest. This was a special birth. This was a special time. It was a fullness of time. Got to trust God. Number three, be a God worshiper who doesn't have to see the answer before you worship. In Mark eleven twenty four, therefore I say to you, Jesus speaking, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you have them. I believe that uh, I can show you a mature believer, they're worshiping and praising God before they see the answer. That's a mark of maturity. They're in worship, thanking God. They're already at peace with it. We're to be worshiping Him, expecting, believing that we have received the answer prayer. And when it's according to His Word, according to His will, we know that He hears us. We can have that confidence. So what do we do in the meantime? We're to be worshiping and praising God. That works on your emotions. That works on your, your thinking and your mind and brings peace. It also means 
that you have to ignore some things in the natural. You have to ignore it. Things aren't looking right, you ignore it. Maybe the way you feel, you ignore it. And say the truth is, God has heard my prayers, God has answered, and I trust Him. Or I am healed by Jesus' stripes, I refuse the way I feel. I ignore it. You trade one mirror for another. You stop looking in that mirror at home, and you look in God's mirror, and it says you're blessed. It says that Jesus took your sins and took your infirmities for you and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and no weapon formed against you will prosper and everything that you set your hand to do, you will be blessed of the Lord because he is your rear guard and he has made a way for you that no man can shut or stop. Your God is more than enough. You trust him. You put your faith in him. Years ago, there was, a, a, there was two or three books by a man called Merle, uh, Carruthers, Merlin Carruthers. And it was about you praise God uh, and get answers. And it was about worshiping God. And, and they would praise God. And I didn't agree with theology. You know, somebody got ran over by a car. Praise God. And that's not what scriptures tell us. But they had amazing answers. There's something about when you worship and praise God that releases faith, that releases the, the burden to the Lord, and you see God move on the scene and do great, great things. Well, it doesn't make sense to, to worship God when I'm going through this. Yes, it does. It's called faith. It's called faith. Choosing to believe the supernatural over the natural things. Verse 15. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. Shall drink neither wine nor a strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. He will turn many from the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now we know this refers to John the Baptist. And we, we know that this was referring to Malachi. Uh, Malachi 3.1 says, Behold, I send my messenger. He will prepare the way before you. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So the mission of John the Baptist was to prepare the way for the Lord. That was his whole mission, was to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus Christ to come into the earth. Now, why did God have this preparation? Because he wanted a greater harvest. Things work better when you prepare, when things are prepared. John the Baptist, his Ministry was critical to our salvation. Critical because he prepared a way. He, he drew large crowds of people. He, he ministered to them. And then his ministry lasted six months. And then he started pointing to go to him. Go to Jesus. Can you imagine? 
Your whole ministry was preparing the way for somebody else's ministry. It lasts six months. Then you find yourself in, in jail. Then you lose your head. You're beheaded. You're, you're dead. And Jesus says, the greatest of the old covenant, the greatest is John the Baptist. See, we, we think preparing is just a, a little thing. It's a big thing with God. It's a big thing with him. And you would think if anybody had all together, it was Jesus. If anybody didn't need any preparation, it was Jesus. But Jesus did. In fact, Jesus continued that. When he'd go into a city, he'd send a couple before him. What were they doing? They were preparing the way, saying, he's coming. They would give testimonies. They were preparing, advertise that Jesus is coming to the city. The other prophecy is Malachi 4, verse 5. Behold, I send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest they come and strike the earth with a curse. Another prophecy about John the Baptist, and you find him in Matthew 17. The disciples asked uh, Jesus about, isn't Elijah supposed to be coming? And, and he said, well, he already has. And then they said they recognized it was John the Baptist. But notice here, it's saying if John the Baptist had not prepared the way for Jesus, that Jesus could have come and cursed instead of blessed. Now what it says? Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. That's a sobering thought. Because of John the Baptist, we got blessed instead of cursed. Because John the Baptist turned the hearts of people towards the Lord. And really it was just the religious leaders that were against John the Baptist. The crowds and the people were turned towards the Lord and prepared the way for Jesus to come into the earth lest he would strike us with a curse. Number four, be one who prepares the way for the Lord. I recognize we're all like John the Baptist, that we all prepare the way for Jesus. We're all preparing the way for him to come again. We all have a, a, a preparation. Those people that we meet and we're around, we're preparing them to meet Jesus. We're being the influence. We're being a, a blessing to those around us. John the Baptist's ministry was vital. It was necessary. Think about some things that we prepare or uh, cause us preparation. You think about uh, the Bible and the scriptures. It says that the ground, it was tilled for the seed of the word. And the ground we know is the heart. Prepared for the word of God. You know what worship does uh, in praise and worship? Prepares us to hear the word of the Lord. It's a preparation. What about a testimony? A testimony prepares the hearts for others to receive from God. What about prayers? Same thing. Praying prepares for the service and for the gathering of the, of the body. All these things. What about your children? You prepare them for the future. You're in a, a preparation mode. You're getting them ready for adulthood. 
grandchildren, same thing. Every avenue, you find this principle all throughout the earth. You could call it seed time harvest. There, there's a process of time. It's preparing. In fact, everything that you're doing now is preparing for your future in heaven. Everything that you do today prepares for your tomorrow. Every little thing that you do for that coworker, or you speak and say is preparing for them to receive from God or not to. It's either releasing life or death. We have a, a responsibility to represent him well and be that blessing. You know, we can force some things. You know, you ever force someone, you're going to pray this prayer with me? You're not leaving till you pray and ask Jesus in your heart and life. And they pray and you never see them again because they just wound you out of their hair. You know, stop. You force the, the harvest. You can't force it on anyone. And I can remember having that sway a lot of times. I'm just going to push through and it, it doesn't work. You can't, you can't do that. It'd be like you go on a, a date, first date, you know. You, you go and... and Dinner went great and everything, and then on the way home, you ask the, the girl to marry you. That might run them away. Forcing the issue is too fast. There needs to be that preparation, needs to be that, that, that process. What about our ushers, our greeters, preparing the hearts to receive from God? What about our giving? Our giving prepares us for a harvest in the future. It's all preparation. And lastly, number five, be wise with your words. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Seems like a good question, but angel answered and said to him, I'm Gabriel, and stand, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. You need to be wise with your words. What a great message on the power of words right here, that here's Zacharias, he's talking to an angel who says, your, your prayers are answered, you're going to have a baby, and then he says, how? I'm an old man. And the angel says, you're not going to speak again. Maybe that's the reason he stayed in there. Yeah, I can't say anything. <laughs> you're not going to speak again until you have this baby. And it says that when he, he came out and Elizabeth gets pregnant, they, they have the baby, he does not speak the whole time. They must have been writing some things because they wanted to name the baby something else. And Elizabeth goes, his name will be John. And see what Zacharias do. He was writing things down. And she knew that was the name. And then his mouth is loosed. We need to be wise with what we say. If you need to buy some duct tape, get some duct tape. We need to be wise with our words. 
Can you imagine you don't talk for nine months? Wow. I know it's hard to imagine for some of us. God shut his mouth. He stopped the doubt and unbelief. Now Mary, she asked a similar question, but it was not in a doubtful way. It was faith. This was doubt. Be wise of your words. You know the old thing about counting before you speak, count to ten is probably wise. Some things that don't need to be said because what you say will affect you and your emotions and those around you. And we just need to nip it and be quiet until we can speak something with wisdom. That's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this example, Lord, that, that we learn that we want to be those God followers. We want to be responsible, Lord, to fulfill our commitments. We want to be those that fulfill everything that you've called us to do. Be busy about what you have assigned us. We want to be wise. We want to be all that you've called us to be. And this morning I will give you an opportunity. You know, Jesus has come, but he's still coming to people today. And your hearts have been prepared. If you need to receive the Lord this morning, this is your opportunity. No one looking around, your eyes shut. If the Lord was to come to you and say, why shall I let you in heaven? What would your answer be? Say, well, I believe in God. That wouldn't be the right answer. Say, I'm a good person. That's not the right answer. The devil believes in God, but he's not going to heaven. This is a relationship. This is a pouring out your heart, surrender to him, and asking for a relationship. He has been proactive. He came first and says, I love you. And he's saying, will you have a relationship with me? Will you allow me to be your father? Will you allow me to be your God? Will you surrender to me and let me take care of you? Because I know the way I created you. I know the very number of hairs on your head. I know every detail about you because I formed you and I shaped you and I created you. And I'm in love with you. And I have the very best in store for you. But I'll not force myself on you. I only come when you're willing and you're surrendered to me. That's when I come. But my heart longs to come. My heart longs to come and to love you, my child, and to take care of you. Because I have much planned for you. It's greater than, than you would even know or could even imagine. But I'll reveal it and show you. And I'll give you my spirit to live within you. That's you this morning. You want to say yes to Jesus. Yes to a relationship. I just want you to lift your hand. 
and look around, just lift your hand and say, that's me. Maybe you've done this before. Maybe you need to get right with God. You say, I'm going to get right this morning. I'm going to get everything right with Him. Some of you have been playing around with things that you know is wrong and you're wanting God to bless you. And God can't bless you because He's already told you that's wrong. You have to make a decision. You have to take a step because the enemy's coming in to steal, to kill, and destroy. Lord wants you to know he will not force you to make that decision. You have to make that decision on your own. But if you make that decision, he'll back you up and he'll cause the enemy to flee and cause you to experience abundant life that you've only dreamed of and saw in movies and long forth. Let's pray together. Say, dear God, I submit myself to your Lordship. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way that I could have relationship with Father God and you and the Holy Spirit. I receive you as my Lord. I receive the payment paid in full. For all my sins, I receive your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the cross. I'll live for you all the days of my life. Fill me. Empower me with your Holy Spirit. And I give you thanks in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Let's give God thanks. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.